You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. Welcome to the Pitch Stack, episode 16. Uh, we made it. Episode 16. We can finally drive. Um, I, wonder, I wonder where we're going to start forgetting our episode numbers. Oh, never, because I have a very thorough <laughs> <documentation> <laughs> system. I listen um, to other podcasts that they forget, like, because they're, I mean, they're like in the hundreds, though, hundreds, though. So, like, they'll frequently, like, are we on 535 or 534? Yeah, I think that's what happens when you have to have somebody else engineer for you. And then, like, uh, that guy's sitting behind a window. And he's like, two, five, two, five. Like, he's doing stuff with his hands to try and let people know because you can't talk. Yeah, they usually do it in post. Like, they put, like, a little, like, elevator music. It's like, hey, by the way, it's 535, not 534. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, now that we've rearranged the way our episodes work and you've heard the music it works like every other podcast in history now right let's get straight to the judge's corner um so instead of hitting you with a a dagger matt i want to talk about something that uh that is interesting to uprising cards that uh i think could help you win your draft at your RTN, if you're aware of. Okay. Now, Matt, arcane damage is coming at you. Sure. What advantage does Quell have over arcane barrier? What Specifically, is when a card like Fork Lightning is coming at you. Ooh. Uh, I believe we had this, uh, we had this uh, discrepancy discussed in our last podcast if i'm not mistaken actually we uh, may when have we, when we discussed the quell equipment so the wording for arcane uh barrier is that uh damage is prevented from a source absolutely right so if your hero would be dealt arcane damage you pay the resource and prevent one arcane from that source that it would deal right and for the quelling ones they say if you would be dealt damage, you pay one to prevent one of that damage. And then, of course, that destroys itself on the uh, end phase. So it's not a... It doesn't prevent one from that source, right? It prevents one from damage being dealt to you. Right. It's one from that event. Yeah, damage um, event is the wording. Which is really interesting to me. Um, so I, uh, I've now like obviously not head judged because they weren't official but i've now taken upwards of 20 judge calls <laughs> for uprising yeah the quell comes up a lot but matt one thing has come up more than anything else and it what? drives me absolutely insane um so the timing of pitching a red to Dromai's effect to make an ash and then being able to turn it into an Aether Ashwing, it drives me insane. Um, so, 
I have had this happen two, three times as playing Dromai, where I'll cast a card that's like create an ash and then turn up to two. I forget exact what card rake this is. The it's the best of my yes, rake the embers. It's the best of my common. It'll be like create two ash tokens, then turn up to three ashes you control for into uh whatever you want to call them. Uh dust dragons. I don't yeah. know. I <laughs> uh, I'll come up with a cute nickname for them eventually. Aether Ash Wings, obviously. Um Ash Kitties. But people always they get these two rulings confused constantly. So I I've done that a couple times. Obviously, you can turn all three, including the one you pitch for, into Aether Ash Wings mm-hmm. because of the way the card resolves. But then people will be like, no, I'm pretty sure you can't do that. And I'll be like, no, it actually works like this. What they're thinking of, and I have seen people do this, and it's important to be wary of, you cannot pitch a red to an invocation and then turn that dust into a dragon. Correct, yeah. Um, because you need a legal target when you cast the invocation mm-hmm. and you cast a spell before uh, you pay for it. That's important. Yes. I know a lot of people don't realize that with Fab, but you cast before you pay. And um, I don't know. That's been my little judge's corner rant. I kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot need... of players, though, are going to need like refreshing on that for time to time. I oh, mean, absolutely. not everyone, but, you know, you never know who hasn't played much of Uprising yet. If newer players are listening or if newer players are trying to prepare for a event, you know, or somebody who's just generally not familiar with the, the rules, um, it's important to understand the way playing a card works and the way the invocations have uh the targeting parameter on it right so without the targeting parameter on it there's no condition that requires the ash to already have been in play when you play that card it'll resolve while the ash was already generated yeah and so um (laughs) i had to explain that a lot of times uh, and I'm really glad that that's over. I'm hoping that by RTN season, which has already started, but by the time I actually have to like wear a button down for RTN season, um, the dust haha, has settled. I know it wasn't that clever because it's ash, but it's fine. I'm running. I mean, it's it. it's almost the same thing. Dust, ash, dust, one's ash. more carbon based. The other's kind of <laughs> like dried skin or something. I don't know. Um, it's best not to think about it, but you know what I do like to think about, Matt, is that uprising is finally legal. Yes, sir. Um, after we had to wait a delayed week, a thousand years, that's what it felt like, you know, and it sucks because I mean, I'm happy uprising is out. But I haven't gotten to play a lick of this set or any of these cards since pre-release. And I haven't opened anything more than my 20 packs that I've gotten that day from the two pre-releases and oh. draft. Yeah, I'm still waiting on my boxes in the mail. I've opened a lot of packs. Um, <laughs> if I never open up another Uprising pack again, I'll be fine. Like I. Uh, I've opened up a lot of Uprising and I'm actually looking forward to your case because. I really haven't seen a bad case yet, which is fascinating. It well, seems get like... ready for my terrible case because <laughs> you're going <laughs> to I've used the ball of my luck you know, for a lifetime worth of luck. 
That is true. You may be the outlier. Um, and I hope you're not, uh, because I need to make some trades for some very specific cards that I don't want to buy. So hopefully you pull them. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to get together. Uh, hopefully uh, we're going to get together at the store, crack our boxes and play a few games up here at uh, where we are. Yeah. So, okay. So we have now had with uprising being legal, like hard prices are all over the place, right? Which is really bizarre. I guess it makes sense. People are opening up more of this product than I don't know any product in the history of flesh and blood, really. And yeah. it makes sense that the market is being flooded. Uh, it's just really easy to grab yourself a case of this set. And um, it's really interesting to me that a lot of cards, like, people aren't sure what to do with them. And I don't know if I'm necessarily... I'm not trying to, like, condemn net decking or anything like that. I think that that's just the way the world works now. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, of, like, figuring out a meta and then learning how to play that deck to the best of its ability. That's just how this game works. Absolutely. But I feel like a ton of these cards are just in a holding pattern until a list comes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? What I, what I think happens, right, and this is a cycle that's not unique to, like, Flesh and Blood, it happens in a lot of TCGs, but I think particularly with Flesh and Blood, this being like one of the first sets to release without a first edition, people have like this price memory. And this happens again, you know, with the way pre order prices sit all the time with, and it comes to special edition cards like Marvels or Cold Foil Fables and stuff, right? When yeah. people are cracking these fables at, you know, the world premiere and, you know, during pre release, they were selling from, you know, like almost a thousand dollars for cold foil down to like you know 600 rainbow foil respectively and it was like well i don't know what prices are genuine but i know there's a lot of product out there right there right now and once the release hits and everybody can list their stuff and people are cracking their boxes left and right people are essentially just trying to flip right they wanted the single so they can play and now they're going to try to turn over you know, all of the expensive high-end marvels and, you know, cold foil weapons and heroes or cold foil equipments and stuff. Because if you look at all the Majestics for the most part, like excluding like a handful of them, they're all really, really cheap. Like if we start yeah. looking at like the high end of, you know, Majestics that are expensive, it's like what, a race face, right? Yeah. And that's like $17 max, right? After that, it's like Tomaltai, who's like six bucks. And every other Majestic is like beneath that, like cents. Rare's like you know, not even worth like more than 50 cents. It's interesting, though, because I think we can compare this print run to Everfest, right? I mean, obviously, we don't have the first edition, but because there was no immediate unlimited, I think we can kind of compare this to Everfest. I think and, if you take out the Marvels and all of that stuff, this set's worse than Everfest. What, in terms of value? Yeah, if you take out Marvels, this set's much worse than Everfest. Like, think it's about it. It's interesting, though. Uh, Erase Face is at $20 now. It has recovered. It is um, it is the new Command and Conquer. Uh, so, uh, it's interesting. It is interesting to me that 
so here I'm actually in the background before I make this point. I kind of want to go ahead and take a look. So all the like quote unquote marvels uh, that exist within um, within Everfest, like so we'll call like the extended arts, uh, the Earth Lord Bounty extended art, the um, what's the other weird one? Uh, the double sided Starvo. Outside of those marvels, there are only two majestics in Everfest that are over ten dollars. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Oh, and that's Swarming Gloomvale and Revel and Room. Right, and my my point was mostly like on release. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Comparing yeah, that's the fair. releases of both of them, like if you look to the release prices for Everfest, like you know, foil Swarmings were like thirty dollars. Swarming like base cost and Revel base cost were like fifteen twenty. Uh, Miraging Metamorph was like $17 card. Shimmers is like a $10 plus card. You had the Cold Foil, like uh, Valahai, which was like a, uh, on release, like on the release day, it was like a $500 card. Went down to like $300 and it's been holding around $2 to $3. Um, the, the legendary equipments, the grasp, like the arms never really held too high, but those have gone down quite a bit and uh the shield started out like you know near 200 i think yeah so i think that it's that it's not too far off to say that the sets are at least are at least pretty similar you know value wise on release excluding like the uh, marvels right yeah i think and the, yeah, the think special edition type cards and stuff like phoenix form extended art or whatever yeah i don't know uh the only difference, though, of course, is that, like, I like we were just trying to exclude here to make the comparison, though, is that they have all these marvels, and on top of that, they do have more legendaries, obviously, since it's a base set. Yes, uh, they do have significantly more legendaries, uh, significantly more playable uh, legendaries at that. With there only being one in Everfest, the other one obviously playable, but um is a merchant card and so yeah. it doesn't count because merchants uh don't fight well no they they draw well but they do draw well make a lot of coin uh, but i think overall like as as you know not that it's not to make this sound like it's a bad thing necessarily because realistically like these prices are all very healthy like i think they could do to even go down a little bit more you know, excluding yeah. like flashy versions and stuff like normal rainbow foil equipments are really low, like 58 bucks for ghostly touch, which is going to be like a, which is going to be like a, a looseness staple. $59 for Alluvion Conseas. How are you pronounce it? The, uh, old Al Constance. Yeah. <laughs> and 105 bucks for crown of Providence. I mean, that card is incredible and it's only 105 bucks rainbow foil you know yeah i mean that it is maybe it'll go lower who knows but um and i think a lot of it has to do though with like you said people are waiting for deck lists and we're not really in the true competitive season yet like decks are still trying to find you know their their way they're standing yeah. where they stand i think everyone has a feeling though that phi and you know, the Phi is going to definitely stick out from most of the heroes in this set. And that Dromai and Icelander are kind of be on the fringes of the competitive play. 
like sort of B tier ish. Obviously, you can argue with that all you want, um, but that's just as far as the things I have seen, the results have been, been that have been being put out. You know, yeah. No, that it seems it seems to me like that's a hundred hundred percent correct. But and, once we uh, get into the the full competitive season, like we're we're discussing, you know, national like the actual nationals and uh, the I guess potentially uh, third pro tour if that's happening. And uh, is is there a third pro tour? Uh, there is. I mean, yes, but not announced yet. Oh well, I mean, we also have Lele that's coming up as well, so that's uh, something to look forward to as well, competitively, and then yeah. Worlds sometime later this year, I think, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's a uh, there's still some time for things to change, the market to shake up, and just like the the consensus around uh, these heroes, right? Yeah. The meta. Uh, I agree entirely. Um... And it's interesting because uh, I don't know what to do. I really want to pick up some of the cards that I missed out on uh, when I opened up my case. Um, because dragons are cool. I want to play Jermai. I want to figure out what to do to play Jermai. And I think um, when buying one or two cards is like, you know, I mean, updating the decks for almost any of these heroes, like, if you want to play any one of these heroes, it's probably going to cost you like $180. And that's one of the good things I like about the Majestics being so cheap in this set is that, you know, you want to play it, you can just pick them up real quick. And uh, deciding what legendaries to invest in is um, taking up a lot of my brain power lately. And uh, it's probably going to be dragons. Dragons are cool. Dragons um, are very cool. I'm very infatuated with the idea of playing Dromai. But it's also an illusionist, so I don't want to get. I'm not sure if I want to get caught up in the uh, the the gameplay of that. The illusions. Yeah. Um. What you're not trying to you're not trying to live the dream and attack with an illusionist card, have it broken by phantasm, pay for phantasmal footsteps, and then pitch a blue for the frightmare you had in your arsenal to attack for thirteen, only to have that destroyed by phantasm. No. Because I want that more than anything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you can get Phantasm off of the Frightmare, sure. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that you can pitch... Uh, the the footsteps aren't, like, the greatest thing to work with Dromai. But, you know, you yeah. can always just pitch a red to that and then block with it. And you make an ash. Yeah, that is true. That's you can also just true. pitch a, a red to an Ironhide and block with that for two. Or you can just uh, make an ash for free each turn. Well, not for free, but you can just make an ash for no reason each turn with Flamescale Furnace, which is why that card is so good. Yeah, it's um, really good, I'd say. Yeah, I'm kicking myself for not buying it at $73 yesterday. It is currently at $91. US uh, We'll see where that shakes out over the week as people open up more and more product. Uh, I have a feeling the second wave is going to arrive. People are going to dump that onto the market. And um, we're uh, we're going to see a whole bunch of price decreases. I mean, you can kind of look at the amount of listings for each legendary right now and see what's in the most demand. Um, 
so not really so uh, ignoring the price valuation of each card like i'm just looking at absolute listings of each card so if you take the least desirable legendary which is the alluvion constella uh, which is what i'm going to call it uh there's 51 of those on the market as opposed to the tiger stripe shuko there's 24 and so there's a Almost 40, what, well, let's see here. Yeah, there's a $30 price difference between the two cards right now. And I think, uh, I mean, it just has to do immediately with the legendaries that people are assuming are the most playable. I think Ghostly Touch is going to sneak up and become ultra playable based on some of the lists I've seen that are coming out of uh, Europe. Yeah. But, I, think the, yeah. I think people just like, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's, you got to give people time. Like, the all people are racing to the bottom. They're trying to make their money back on these uh, boxes that they thought were going to go to the moon, and they were not. They unfortunately got hit with the uh, twenty twenty. They caught a case of the twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two is what I'm trying to say, and yeah. uh, they are trying to recoup. Yeah, no, that's a. I mean, that's a hundred percent correct. Uh, they're trying. Will they get there? Who knows? Um, I currently. So currently of everybody I know that opened up a case uh, without opening up uh, a fabled has not made their money back. And um, I weirdly have. I think that's fascinating. Without opening a fabled? Yeah. Uh, so my big hits were Coronet Peak. I uh, Marvel Icelander. Yeah, that's right. I uh, so, Marvel. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. Continue. Oh, I hit a Marvel Kyloria, which is the best of the non-legendary dragons to hit. Um, I hit a Marvel Vincerakai, which is uh, just extra twenty-five dollars. Uh, the alternate the worst art rewind. Of the Marvels to hit. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the rewind alternate art there was fifty bucks. And then I hit a playset of erase faces and a foil erase face. Um, wow. Great. Which was crazy. So it's really interesting because I think it would be very odd for the prices not to settle at a point where the, the average case pull is not equal to, uh, I don't know, we'll say 90% of the case cost. And I think we're I think we're pretty far below that right now. Hmm. I mean, it depends on what you're getting a case for. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fabled or busted. Sounds like right, or like uh, extended art, uh, double sided Icelander cold foil or bust, right? Yeah, I mean, the most expensive card in the set right now. I mean, like, I mean, obviously, is the cold foil, uh, blood of the Drakai. But Marvel Tomaltai is getting close to being more expensive than uh, Rainbow Foil Blood of Drakai. I don't know. I could talk about prices in the market all day. I'm probably boring the shit out of people right now. But this is fascinating to me. Well, I mean, it's really strong. <laughs> it's really good. But yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, un it's undeniably beautiful art and strong card. That'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I don't know. What are you? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, and on top of the uprising release, is we also not we actually, uh, but Europe 
and the other uh, countries oh, yes. and continents have Speaking gotten Black Label History Pack 1. Speaking of chase cards. um, Oh, my. Quite a surprise, goodness. actually. Yeah, for real. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, these things are hot. Uh, real hot. I, uh. I don't know. So obviously I'm talking about the uh, the original eight heroes now have double sided cold foil alternate language, super alt art, marvelous cards. And yeah. um, they're really cool. They're really, really, really cool. And um, one of the issues, I think, is that innately... It's it's difficult to look up values for these because innately uh, TCG player only supports like English cards, so it's hard to be like, well, what's going on with history pack black label? Yeah, there's no um, there's no good like authority on the prices for those, other than of course what someone's willing to pay you for them. But mm-hmm. you can go on the Facebook marketplaces, and I've seen a handful of them listed and sold. Um, but those prices are going to vary depending on the hero and depending on, you know, when that sold. So, um, they haven't made their way. I'm sure eventually they will onto TCG player because they are a unique item. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a foreign language version of a card that exists. Um, I'm sure that the history pack one black borders will also eventually make their way out to TCG player. Um, but like I said, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, it only recently came out and I can hardly find box openings for this stuff. Like, I know that Fabled Academy did a uh, German box opening and I've seen a French box opening, too. But there's like no Italian, no Spanish box openings. I'm I'm just surprised. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, no, you're 100 percent correct. And um, it's really interesting, too. It's like anywhere that I would go to get price data on this stuff is incredibly difficult because um, eBay has that new rule where if you are trying to sell a card over $200, like a trading card, it needs to be certified as authentic on some level somewhere. And so, yeah, it's impossible. Like you can't look at eBay for price data. You can't look at TCG player. You can just kind of like look at weird marketplace groups. And uh, these things are super expensive. Yeah, there's also they're not listed there at all yet because I've checked. But there's also um, card market, which I think is like the quintessential like Europe uh, TCG player like sort of mock up. Yeah. Uh, But there's no real like solid listings for them yet there. No, yeah, it's weird. And I wonder how rare these things are. Like, are they equivalent to the other marvels from the other sets? Um, I don't know. Uh, but I kind of wish there was a way to get these in English for like $100 a hero, maybe. That'd be pretty rad. Uh, yeah. Probably I not going to happen. I wish, too, for that Visrael one. But, yeah. I'm I'm okay with the language. Like that doesn't. I, I don't care what language it's in. I mean, it'd, it'd be nice if it looked cool. Like the language, you know. Just yeah. As long as it's not cool. in foul language, it's fine. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had a very vivid picture of what that would look like. Real quick. Um. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it's really cool. Matt, have you seen like? 
anywhere to buy black label packs as an American. Like, obviously, they don't distribute them anywhere in the U.S., but have you, like... Yes. You, like, you would have to buy overseas. So, it like, I don't that, know. It seems like duty-free shops, right? Uh, well, I mean, like, just foreign <laughs> cart shops, like, <laughs> duty-free shops. Yeah, your local airport just... <laughs> Um, you know, I've, I've looked up history pack, um, one black label singles and it's led me to card market card trader. Um, but I'm trying to find like uh websites like, okay, so I found this one here that I looked at. Um, it is at pad eyes, Patty's, uh, store and it's 114 pounds, which translates to roughly to, uh, is this pounds or euros? Shit uh euros is an e oh yeah yeah so it's 114 euros then uh i think that translates to 100 and uh look okay 120 18 it translated it for me just highlighting it nice that's actually not bad so this is a um history pack black label spanish booster box for 120 oh that's not bad right but it ships from um madrid Ah, so you're gonna have the, to pay uh, uh, whatever shipping cost that's uh, involved with that USD to Euro. Oh, get wrecked! Uh, what? it's pretty close to equal right now. Um, so yeah, I, it looks like you could get a case of this stuff probably shipped to you for just a hair under $400. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not terrible. Um, it's interesting to me that the most desirable ones seem to be the French. Uh, the French ones seem to be the most expensive. I think it's... Uh, why, why would the French ones? There's got to be something there. Like, I, I've been trying to figure it out. Like, that's the thing. I've been trying to figure out what's the... You know, there's there's this... We mentioned it before, probably, but there's just this thing on TCG player... Uh, TCG players... Uh, about getting like foreign language cards that have like, you know, no, no, uh, no uh, mockery of like a language, but they have very funny translations. I think so. There maybe there's a a string of funny translations in the French one. I also wonder if it's like so among bilingual uh, flesh and blood players. I'm gonna say that it's probably more common for French to be the second language of those players. Uh, like, why would it's very be? common to speak French as a second language in Europe and in Canada than it is Castilian Spanish? You know? Yeah, I don't know why that would be it. Like, because I mean, Spanish is has got to be number two, right? In terms of like, I thought I was number players. one, but that's just uh, the Florida guy speaking in me. Yeah, right. So that was immediately my thought, too. And then also the fact that, like, obviously, like, Florida Spanish and Castilian Spanish are are close. Um, But I don't know. It's interesting. There's there's definitely a science behind it. It's weird that, like, not a lot of people are buying the German cards because, in my opinion, those would be the funniest, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a translation for meet and greet that's hilarious. It's just like flesh lust is essentially what it says. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Um, 
I don't know. Okay, this so- is the type that I would definitely buy a couple. I don't know if I'd buy like a booster box. No, I wouldn't. Black label. But I'd love to have um, like, I don't know, three or four booster packs of this would really scratch an edge for me. Yeah, I'm 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 mostly looking to find any singles or translations that I desire. You know, that's why I've been desperately looking for somewhere where I can view them, you know. Yeah. I don't so so check out this. This is hilarious. I just stumbled upon this. So that site I told you that I was trying to uh I found the prices for the uh Spanish history pack black border. Um when you go to checkout, this is sort of like unrelated at all. Uh but it's very funny I thought you'd like to know is that uh there when it asks you to enter your personal information, it asks for your social title. Right? And it says uh Mr. Mrs. But after that, there's like <laughs> oh yes options and it's great. It's amazing, right? So it's princess, lord, hobbit, master. I'm not- <laughs> Pokemaniaco, Pokemaniaco, Pokemaniac, Jedi Master, Saiyan, Androide, Android, and Replicante, Replicant. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That'll confuse some postal workers, I think. (laughs) There. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I might actually just for uh, I might look into acquiring a box of black label just to like split with a couple people. I would um, be down. OK, so, OK. All right. Check it. I have found card markets recent pricing data on some of the black label heroes. Too much. Uh, yeah, those are, I think, just pre-order prices or something. I saw those. There's a little bit out there. Yeah, I mean, I, it's also like people who are pulling these probably aren't selling them because, like, I don't know. I mean, they're they're pretty sick. Six hundred twenty-seven for six hundred twenty-seven dollars. Uh, so, yeah, dollars for the Kano one. Yeah. Black label case, three hundred eighty euros. Um, my God. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll do this. This they're so cool. Um, I obviously wouldn't buy a case. Maybe I'll pick up a booster box, split it with a bunch of people. We'll all have weird cards, and then um, people will be like, "Where'd you get those?" And I'll be like, uh, "They came from very far away, and I paid I paid ninety dollars in shipping, or however much it'll end up costing." Yikes! Yeah, that's that's the bit real issue is the cost of shipping. Yeah, right. I because you know it's gonna be bad. It's just it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no way we're getting in for under $40. That's just... 100%. Gosh. I don't know. Well, you know, we, um, we're we heading into the competitive season now. And uh, you know me. I 100% am going to be playing Viscera in some capacity. And, well, what do you know? One of the very first uh, people that I pilfered a deck list off of so I could compete at the same level as my peers. Hamish has published a fab TCG article on a Runeblade state of affairs. Interesting. I wanted to bring this one up. I wanted to bring this one up just because um, I think I personally think that 
you know, Viscera is going to really make a mark on on the uh, format without Starvo in the way, and uh, hopefully soon without Prism in the way too. Um, you know, depending on how everything uh, pans out, but she still has uh, a few Living Legend points to acquire before she goes away. Um, and also without Shane in the way of being perhaps a, a better Rune Blade in some aspects, but um, but yeah, Hamish he published a deck list for I rather he not rather not that he published, but he won a uh, was it Nationals or the UK Nationals I think. Well, that seems possible. Yeah, UK Nationals. That's exactly what it was last year, uh, around the time before we had our US Nationals. And I took his list, made like, you know, the very minor adjustments I thought necessary and took it to the calling last year at my very first like high level rated event. And I went four and three playing Viscerai. I beat Briars. I even beat a Bravo. I beat the Match, but I did lose to a Briar, a Bravo and a Reinar, incidentally, very early on to... Uh, of course, the infamous slap de react, but um, ah, but yes. yeah, no. Uh, this uh, article's great. He he is a very well versed uh, Runeblade player in general, and uh, you know he goes over essentially like what their roles in the new meta are going to be essentially after the Living Legend and the introduction of the Uprising heroes for Viscerai and Briar. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to read this article. So uh, I don't know. What did he say? What's going on? Well, I I, I just want to break it down really simply and, uh, you know, not get into too much of the details because you can read the article yourself. It's a, it's a very quick read and it's actually worthwhile reading, you know, even if you are going to hear my uh, breakdown of it. Um, but Briar, he believes, essentially is a very strong deck that uh, has a sort of like foot down on the pedal aggro deck. But, you know, she does have small weaknesses in which, you know, she requires to have her non-attack actions available to her and having Channel Mount Heroic out and online is important to her big go-off turns. Um, But she is a very good aggressive deck. She has multiple approaches as far as, you know, focusing on these low cost zero cost you know four power go again attacks and trying to turn them into larger attacks with channel mount or trying to go yeah. with a much taller much stronger like you know playing runic reclamation for like 10 sort of deal uh deck where you're you know totally out damaging brutes at that rate you know uh command and conquer as well um, he describes like the heroes, uh, you know, bad matchups and their good matchups. Uh, of course, playing into Prism and Dromai, they're going to have a hard time against Briar. And uh, of course, Old Him and Ice in general, which you'll see he mentions Ice again being a hindrance on uh, the next Runeblade, uh, as well as Briar, Old Him and Lexi. But. Uh, hmm. Viscerai, he also says, though, he got a lot of tools from Everfest, and I believe that even with the Skeleton ban, and so does he, even with the Skeleton ban, 
uh, Visrai is going to have a strong presence in the metagame uh, coming soon. Yeah, I think he will too. I think what's going to happen is the metagame is going to over-diversify and it'll just be too hard to include a, like specific sideboard slots for Viserai initially. Uh, if he becomes a massive part of the meta, obviously you're going to shift that. But I think there's just so many checks and balances in this current and upcoming metagame um, that we're going to see it shift a couple times before it's over. Like decks will show up one week that weren't there in the previous couple of weeks. Uh, and then sideboard cards will shift. Yeah, 100%. I mean, to counter Viserai, you know, it doesn't really, not necessarily that you can, but it requires a specific deck construction. You need to be able to, like, um, slow down his ability to play his cards efficiently. And Ultim is very, very good at that, being able to block most of his attacks and damage and to strip cards away from his hand is uh, an incredible way to slow this right player down and interrupt their plan. You know, um, it's uh, it's one thing to, you know, be able to block on a turn and have a three-card hand, but it's another thing to plan for a turn and then have those cards stripped from your hand while you're in the middle of taking that turn. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And of, and of course, you know, we in the article, he rehashes a lot of principles, uh, you know, the basic principles of playing uh viscerai you know playing aggro playing otk mid-range uh popping off with uh the otk strat strategy or you know the recursion of rattle bones the searching with become the arc knight all of those things are key to the game plan mastery of the spellbound creepers will increase your win rate significantly and that's a card that honestly i think is not played correctly by a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. And it's one that definitely requires a lot of like rules knowledge to unlock fully, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it brings up a lot of inter weird interactions. And I feel like step one of people learning to use that card is they kind of use it as a uh, like a weird go again generator before they start to realize the potential it has. Yeah. Um, that said, though, I think uh, it's weird because I think that Briar has one advantage over Viserai going into this meta in terms of like the state of Runeblade and how it is mm -hmm. right now. And that's that uh, I think if Viserai gets hit by a race face once, he loses that game every time. See, I think that actually... Depending on the hand, it's not necessarily true. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, because you end up taking it, it really slows you down. Absolutely, like there's no there's no two ways about that, right? But Viserai, what's great about him is that he has the ability. He just because of his card pool, he has the ability to pivot on the drop of a dime. Like depending on my hand, depending on the way the game progresses i can change the strategy that i have so when i ended my turn and i looked at my four card hand i could say okay my next turn's plan is to play this uh i could play this uh Maveri, i could play this uh reclamation or not sorry play this uh you know uh rune blood incantation 
play this Mavrian Sky into a uh you know, uh, meet and greets into a swarming into Rosetta or something, right? Or, yeah. or fewer pieces. But then your opponent goes, hey, here's Frostbites. And you're like, oh, I've got to change my plan up, right? Or your opponent goes, hey, uh, here's a sleep dart. You can't block it. Or here's an erase face. You can't block it, right? Um, so now you can pivot and be like, okay, so what can I do now instead of that? Okay, well, instead of pitching this blue to play, uh, instead of pitching these blue to play the rec- the runic uh, incantation first, let's make let's make a rune chant with the grasp. Let's play the uh, runic uh, incantation after that, and then uh, swing in just for one uh, meet and greet attack, perhaps right or something like that, and then arsenal yeah. the other card for a better turn, right? And you're still generating value. You're still dealing damage. Uh, but you're not overextending, minimizing the potential value you could have on another turn, right? You set up your incantation for another turn where you can generate rune chance, and you're still pushing through some sort of like threat on your turn. Yeah, that makes sense. And excluding a race phase because that one just turns off all the cards you own. But if you get hit with a sleep dart and you could have, you would be pinching a become the Ark Knight on that turn. You're like, well. My turn's not going to be very wide. I can't, you know, make any auras to turn on uh, Swarming's abilities. Instead, I'm going to play my Become the Arc Knight to discard an attack. I'll go grab a non-attack and then just set up, right? I'll play two incantations or an incantation and the Reader Runes, and then I'll set up for the next turn instead. That's what I really love about Viscera is you can kind of just pivot on a moment's notice depending on any situation that comes up during your opponent's turn. Maybe yeah. I was forced to block with too many cards, and I didn't think I was going to have to block with that many cards, right? So now I'm on the plan of, oh, instead we're going to arsenal this card for another turn and play this one out, or pitch this for a rune, for a rune chant, right, and set up. Like, there's a lot of flexibility in Viscerai's, like, card pool and deck list that allows him to do those things. Or instead of yeah. or, or instead of doing that, blocking with an attack, activating creepers and blocking with the creepers to get in some final value before you lose it. Because if you've already got a counter on it, you're not going to be able to keep it up if you're strip if your hand's getting stripped by a guardian or a ranger when you're trying to block their attacks. So you're just going to activate it, block with it, and use its ability somehow to play an uh, an action, right? Like a read the yeah. runes just to get some value. No, yeah, you know when you when you say it like that, I think yeah, I think you're right that it's not a complete auto loss. Um, especially you could have some rune chance built up. And so you're not necessarily taking the uh, yeah. taking the turn off. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong though that they're impactful pieces. Like I don't want to see those cards. Like they yeah. they definitely slow me down a lot playing this right. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to make. They're not going to be like make or break moments. There are some other heroes in which I think that um, they affect less than Viserai, or perhaps more than Viserai, but. Um, I think uh, he's probably affected uh, the one of the one of the most affected heroes by it, but he still has ways to play around it. Yeah. No, yeah, I think you're 100 percent correct. Um, I may have very much uh, overestimated the ability of a race face to turn off Viserai. So yeah, I mean. Viscerai, though, is, in my opinion, in a weird spot in this meta 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Viserai has a very bad buy matchup. Um, I think he also has a very bad uh, Dramai matchup, which is interesting. I mean, obviously, you're you have access to the same amount of poppers uh, that Briar does, but you don't tend to run him as much. And I don't know. It's a little. It's weird. Uh, Briar technically has more poppers when she gets channel on. No, yeah, you're absolutely right because channel's passive effect turns so many of Briar's cards into poppers that I think that just uh, that gives Briar an even better illusionist matchup. But I've actually had a problem playing against illusionists as Briar, where I just don't draw channel uh, in time. Hmm. and it's yeah. uh, i don't know why it just it's that's one of the reasons though that i think uh briar gets so much better is with sift it's way easier to kind of like i don't know there's you know take another shot at grabbing yourself a channel um and uh i don't know it's just that card it's so difficult to win a Briar matchup if you never get a channel down. Like, I've done it a couple times, but it, it was always a struggle. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe this, uh, maybe Sift is what puts Briar over the edge. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, Sift, is a, Sift is an incredible card. And, uh, you know, it's not just the Rune Blades who are playing it. Uh, that's true yeah and i think that there's some pretty i'm not sure i'd say secret but it's uh some pretty cool tech out there for guardians to look into for uh sift yes the earth lore sift builds are fascinating very very much looking forward to trying to play that and uh that that might make that might be what makes me play guardian is seeing a uh a deck with earth lore bounty because that's a that's an equipment i've read and i'm like oh that's fun I'd like to see that, you know, see some play. Yeah, I um, I actually have become a big Bravo fan uh, recently, not Bravo uh, Showstopper or Bravo Star of the Show, just regular young Gaston Bravo. Oh, um, Gaston Bravo. He uh, <laughs> he kind of looks like uh, Claude from Fire Emblem uh, and at. <laughs> And he's young, oh, yeah, but you're right. He kind of does. With the earring and the little mustache. Yeah, it's he's perfect. Little, he's a bit more buff. Yeah, he's a bit more buff. Um, but does it matter? They both won our hearts. Uh, so <laughs> I actually I picked up a cold foil Bravo and a cold foil Earthlore bounty, and I have gone full toxicity here. Um, and you know what? I'm proud of it. Yeah. I, uh, I think this deck is so cool. I uh, I don't know if it's going to be good, but I've heard that in this current metagame, so in Blitz, I've been a Kasai player for a really long time, and uh, I've heard that Kasai isn't good anymore, um, that just the deck gets outpaced by so many other decks that uh, maybe it's time to play something weird, and so I'm thinking Sift Lore Bravo might be the way to go. Sift Lore, I love, the, I love that, uh, that description, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't take credit for it. Um, somebody, I'm not even gonna give credit for it. Take that. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, somebody on FabDB 
Uh, if you look up Bravo Blitz decks, I'm actually going to see if it's not just anonymous. So that way I can be like, congratulations. I'm sure you're listening right now. And you're so mad. Chuck. <laughs> All right. Chuckles the yo-yo. Thank you for Syphilor Bravo. Um, was not expecting uh, to read that username. But Chuckles the yo-yo. Syphilor uh, Bravo. Yeah. Uh, so thanks, Chuckles. Excellent. Very excellent. Yo-yo. Um, I can't, I can't chuckles the yo-yo really. Um, I, I'm just going to even just in case, uh, they don't listen to this podcast, which let's be honest, they do. Uh, yeah. we're going to, I might even it make doesn't. the title. Thank you. Chuckles the yo-yo. Like that, that'd be great. Hey, you know what? Chuckles the yo-yo eternalized. You are forever in our podcast title. Absolutely. Chuckles the yo-yo. You're our listener of the week. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you for thank you for Sifflor Bravo. Absolutely. Um what if we got it wrong cool. and so and this this Chuckles guy just totally, you know, pirated it off someone else. Well then then it's on uh then it's on Chuckles uh to give all that praise and credit to the rightful owner. Fair, fair. Uh <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know anymore. Um <laughs> I will say though, uh I'm I mean, I love classic constructed, right? Like that's the reason I love this game. That's what I'm gonna play anytime I sit down. I'm giving Blitz a second chance, obviously. But um I've drafted Uprising a bunch of times up to this point. And oh my goodness, is it amazing? And that's why I'm so excited uh, for the RTN drafts that we are getting. I mean, obviously, I've, we're going to get the CC list, but mm. I have drafted it exactly once and it was great. It was fun. Um, I'm looking forward to drafting again. Sadly, I'm just not going to be able to participate in this one. However, uh, I do expect it'll be a lot of fun and hopefully, you know. It goes off without a hitch. Yeah. Um, you should, uh, if you have the opportunity to at some point this week, um, if there is an uprising draft, you need to get in on that. Absolutely. It's yeah. amazing. I don't, I don't know if I will, I will be able to, but uh, I'm definitely, you know, maybe, maybe that's what we do tomorrow. Right. Now, uh, yeah. some of the guys up here with our new boxes that we're getting, maybe we'll do a little draft, you know? Yeah, that could be fun. Um, yeah, I've actually been debating hosting a draft over here. Um, maybe I'll invite all my closest friends and Let me our know. listener of the week. Chuckles the O. Chuckles is always invited. Absolutely, it's just a matter of when he's going to answer the call. <laughs> That's true. Answer the call. Um, now, Matt. There's one more thing going on in Fab this week uh, that I want to talk about, and that is people are uh, they're taking a break from the game at an alarming rate because we've added cardio to it. Um, so, Matt, why, <laughs> <laughs> why don't yeah. you go ahead and talk a little bit about the Fab Fitness Challenge? I know you've gone, you have dove into this head first, and you've really been going at it. Um, yeah. So yeah. Talk us through this. 
Yeah, so the Fab Fitness Challenge essentially um, was started by the gentleman over at Arsenal Pass. Right. Uh, the Arsenal Pass podcast are competitors for being the most listened to, most important podcast to listen to every week. You know, they are just an inch ahead of us. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, they uh, started a new thing on uh, their Patreon. Uh, the Fab Fitness Challenge, essentially what they're doing is uh, for the month of July, uh, they are having everyone, encouraging everyone to, uh, you know, do a little better for yourself. You know, work out, uh, eat better, do some, you know, cardio, drop a few pounds perhaps. Just get active, get fit, you know, in any way you see fit, any way you see possible, right? And, uh, you know, I think it's a great, great thing to see. You don't always see uh, people encouraging each other in this way very often, right? Yeah. Uh, especially in the trading card community. Like, these are not, like, discussions that are had frequently. And, and I think they should be happening a lot more often because, like, you know, this isn't to say that you're not allowed to be, you know, happy with the way you are. You know, there's always something to improve upon. And that doesn't necessarily have to be your your weight or your physique or your health. But it's always important to have that, you know, consideration of like, you know, hey, sometimes we spend our free time sitting around and uh, playing card games. And maybe sometimes we should spend some of that free time uh, bettering ourselves and being healthier. You know, yeah. so I think uh, this is great. This is amazing. I'm doing a daily post on Twitter about uh, my day, essentially, uh, and my uh, eating habits and my uh, exercise, if I'm doing any at all that day. Um, and I started a couple days before just because I had already been on my um, my what's the word? Uh, coming back to it, you know, my rebound to uh, yeah. working out and uh, eating better. And it was just perfect timing for me just that they were going to do like a little competition with it, too, and giving out some uh, some prizes at the end of it. So that's that's really cool. It's an incentive, right? Not necessarily required of them. It's a it's nice encouragement, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's it's really interesting because I like to think about like. What if I. Uh, like, what if Magic the Gathering players were like, hey, let's all get fit and, like, start eating better? <laughs> they would just be like, they would, they would be like, I, it's just so weird. I don't know what it is about that community, but you would just get laughed out of the building, right? But with mm -hmm. Flesh and Blood, we understand that you need to be in peak physical and mental condition to compete <laughs> with the best to win those weekly cold foils because we're all sweaty as hell. Um, and now we're I getting think sweaty that, in another way. Yeah, right? It's like, as if the, <laughs> as if the game wasn't sweaty enough. Um, we are now exercising constantly. No, I think this is fantastic. Um, it's really cool. And we're going to have to outdo Arsenal Pass uh, <laughs> with our own fab fitness challenge um i don't know what that is yet we'll come up with something hilarious well you can't outdo them or we we yeah. have to outdo them is that what you're saying right? 
Yeah, or at least compliment them. Well, it'll be something like the Pitch Stack Fab Fiber Challenge. Post on Twitter how many grams of fiber you got in your diet each day for a whole month. It's like, and whoever consumes the most fiber will get a special <laughs> promo card. Jeez. It's a lot I don't of fiber. Know, it probably won't be that. Um, but, <laughs> but we'll come up with something. So Absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, uprising's now legal. Go forth and play. Uh, Matt, anything else you'd like to add this week? Um, you know, I think we have we have thoroughly covered a week's worth of content. You know, I think uh next week we'll have much more to say, hopefully with more road to national results. Um, we did look over some, uh, of the new uprising stuff today. So look forward to more Rude National results next week because they're definitely going to have kicked off some since now and then. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there's only the three lists, uh, to get sweaty to. So, uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. And, um, I guess uh, I, I guess yeah I well, I don't know all the jokes I want to make are really bad right now so I'm gonna avoid them all uh, I guess we'll see you next week right here same time same, same place. place um same channel at the pitch stack see ya.